The information discussed in this episode is intended as general information only. It is not intended for one-on-one medical advice, and you should always consult your healthcare practitioner before making any changes. And if you like the content discussed in this episode, please go leave a review so that others can benefit from it as well. I am a woman on a mission that is dedicated to teaching you just how powerful your body was built to be. I like to do that by bringing you the latest science, the greatest thought leaders, and applicable steps that help you tap into your own internal healing power. The purpose of this podcast is to give you the power back and help you believe in yourself again. My name is Dr. Mindy Pels, and I want to thank you for spending part of your day with me. Welcome to the Resetter Podcast. This is Jessica, co-host to Dr. Mindy, and today we have episode 49 with Simon Chang, the founder of Peak Tea. This episode is all about the benefits of herbal plants and unleashing our collective potential. Simon Chang has traveled the world from the mountains of Tibet to the heart of Indonesia and the forests of the Pacific Northwest, studying with the most accomplished masters in Eastern medicine and breathwork to heal himself and learn their art. He is a scholar in Chinese literature and has been taught the ancient wisdom in the classics on medicine and breathwork. He now synthesizes everything that he's learned into an integrated system that helps you attain radiant health, which is how he created his company, Peak Tea. And in this podcast, we are going to cover the benefits of drinking tea from regenerative soils, how tea can positively impact your immune system, the amount of tea you should drink daily to see benefits, the benefits tea can have on fasting, the differences between coffee and tea, which was quite interesting actually, and then how to pick the right tea for you. It's a great episode and little bonus on some other things we cover is minerals and tea. If you've been following Dr. Mindy for a while, you know that we we talk a lot about minerals and how it, they're being depleted from our soils. So we do go into tea and minerals specifically because next week, and if you're listening to this on the right time, then it's next week. But if you're listening to it later, next week being December 14th through December 18th, we're doing Fast Training Week with all of our resetters. And this fast training week is going to be dedicated to minerals. So if you want to participate in that, or you're listening to this later and it's already happened, you can go to the show notes or go to drmindypels.com to find more information on that. And as always, if you're listening to this on Apple or Spotify, please leave us a review, give us feedback. What did you love? And if you're new to our podcast, welcome. Be sure to click on the subscribe button to be notified of new episodes, which we currently release on Mondays. Again, this is episode 49 with Simon Chang from Peak Tea. Enjoy. Hey, Resetters, as we step into the new year, I am so thrilled to invite you on an extremely transformative journey with me in my Reset Academy. So check this out. If you're ready to kickstart your fasting and health journey, which I know so many of you have reached out to us and asked how you customize a fasting lifestyle for you. My Reset Academy is the absolute best place to be. So here's what you get in the Academy, and I like to think of it in terms of a complete picture. So imagine being surrounded by people who understand your journey, who are passionate for fasting, who want to lift you up and will support you every step of the way. My Academy is not just me, my team, but it is an incredible group of people that are all dedicated to building fasting lifestyles and supporting each other in it. 
This is why I created the Reset Academy. So when you join, you gain access to all the exclusive calls where my team and I share the latest insights, we answer your burning questions, and we guide you towards your health goals. That's not it. We didn't stop there. By becoming a member, you're not just investing in a membership, but you're investing in yourself. I am such a fan of setting you up to win this year, and my academy is the best place I know to do that. I want to keep you focused. I want you to customize this for you, and I want you to succeed at your health goals this year. End of story. So if you're ready to unlock your fullest potential and embrace a fasting lifestyle, join me. If it feels good, join me. And let's make this year an incredible year for us all. So all you got to do is go visit drmindypels.com slash Reset Academy to become a member. I can't wait to welcome you. I can't wait to see you on the Zoom calls. I can't wait to be in community with you. And most importantly, let's get your health goals handled. And let's do this together. It's so much better together. Together. So that's drmindypels.com slash Reset Academy. Excited to see you there. So let's start off with this. How the heck does a guy who goes to Harvard and Stanford end up becoming passionate about tea? Well, that's so funny. It's, it actually has a lot to do with that. So when, you know, I came, I, I was born in Hong Kong. So a place that's, you know, not, you know, is no stranger to a very hectic, fast paced kind of, you know, crazy lifestyle, right? You know, it's very, it's a financial center, just like Manhattan, you know, or, or London. But the thing is, the interesting thing about Hong Kong is that there's a very strong culture of medicinal plants there. So every day, you know, even if you work in an office, you go to the office, there's a tea gentleman or a tea lady that pours tea into your cup. I mean, you literally, it's just they go around the office doing that and then they do it again after lunch. And then every day there's a different soup that's served in the restaurants. The soup of the day is actually, it's an herbal tonic that's made according to the weather. You know, if it's, if it's winter, it's different. If it's summer, it's different. If it's humid and rainy, it's different than if it's dry and, and windy. It's just wow. suited to help you constantly balance your body using medicinal plants. But I came to the U.S., you know, for college. And, you know, when I arrived here, I instantly got sucked up in the, in the rat race. Like <laughs> going to Harvard, I mean, it was an incredible, incredible experience. You know, one of the most life-changing experiences. But part of that was like getting into this mindset of like doing the, the right thing and like, getting ahead and, you know, being in the, the competitive, yep. you know, getting the, the highest paying job and being, you know, all of those things. So I ended up in the financial industry in a hedge fund for about 10 years. You're close to that between finance and, and kind of being at the hedge fund. And every year I would get a different sort of respiratory illness. So it always started with, you know, some sort of a nasal, you know, congestion that would lead to a nasal infection that would lead to a throat infection and then a, a, a lung infection. So always, you know, at least once or twice a year, I was on antibiotics and everything just kind of, you know, had this very slow kind of insidious, you know, degradation. You know, I started developing skin problems. I had to use steroid, steroid creams and then I got allergies. So I had to use the steroidal nasal spray and then I got skin problems. So I had to eat antibiotics for acne and it was just like this ongoing thing. And, you know, every year I'd go see the doctor and it'd be like, well, you know, take this and take that. And, you know, I grew up at a time in the, you know, I'm 42 years old this year. And, you know, I grew up at a a time in in Hong Kong when, you know, my grandparents and parents were like, oh, you know, this this Chinese medicine is just all, you know, hocus pocus, you know, don't believe in, you know, herbal remedies, like, you know, 
you just go see the doctor and take all the drugs that they prescribe and you'll be fine. That's how you stay healthy. So I did that for 10 years. And then both my lungs collapsed during those 10 years. I had to get operations in both lungs. So both have had holes stapled up and then they abrase my lung to the chest wall, fused together. And even then it was just like, oh my God, I'm so unlucky. Like, why is this happening? I guess it's hereditary, you know, you know, nothing to do with, you know, no, no relation there. Yeah, you know, all no responsibility. Yeah, no responsibility is like, yeah. you know, no, nothing, no change needed. And then after that, when I turned 30 years old was when I enrolled in, in Stanford for business school. And this was a turning point, right? This was like meant to be an inflection point in my life. That's why I went to business school. I wanted a career change. I wanted to start my own business. I'd always wanted to do it. I was diagnosed with sleep apnea when I was there. You know, many of my friends that I had shared rooms with, you know, girlfriends, they were like, hey, you know, you should look into that. Mm. Strong snoring, probably something wrong, right? And so I went to the, to the, you know, they have a sleep center at Stanford, quite well known, and terrible sleep score like disaster, you know, like waking up, like, you know, like, I can't remember, like a couple times a minute, you know, like maybe oh my gosh. a minute, right? And then I went to see the doctor, which is a very famous group of doctors. They, you know, pioneered this, this operation for sleep apnea. No one else recommended it, you know, because it's, it's very, you know, very cutting edge. And I was like, well, you know, if anyone knows how to do it, you guys do. And I had so much confidence in these doctors. This was Stanford, everything. And I... And, you know, they said, you have to think about your love life. Imagine sleeping with a machine, you know, you're young, you need to travel. You know, the success rate is, is, you know, well over 80 something, 85%. Like it's going to be a breeze and it's so non-invasive and you have nothing to worry about because you're young. So the day of the operation, I was in the ICU, right? I was like, why, you know, why am I in the ICU, right? I was like, you know, this must be a routine. I actually asked the nurse, I'm like, why am I in the ICU? And they're like, well, yeah, this is a routine. It's like a pretty serious surgery. And then my friends came to see me the next day and they, they had a look of horror on their face, which I will never forget because it was a look of such shock that, you know, they, they were like, what have you, they were like, what have you done to yourself? Because my head was like this big. Wow. And, and they're like, they're like, you mean this was elective? Like you didn't have to do this? And I was like, no, I was like, you know, this is just, you know, fix my sleep apnea. And then, you know, I was recommend, it was extraordinarily painful, by the way. I was on liquid codeine for like, you know, two, three weeks. Every time you breathe or sneeze or cough or anything, you, anytime you move anything in your airways, which is every time you inhale and exhale, you experience pain. It's one of the most painful procedures you can go through. But after six weeks, I was on my merry way. You know, I went back to Asia. I was in my internship doing finance again. And then every day my, my jaw started swelling like a little bit every day. And I was like, hey, you know, this is, this is not right. And I called up my doctor in Palo Alto and I said, this is something's going on. And he says, oh no, I think you, you might have an infection in your jawbone. Oh my God. I was, like, I was like, why my jawbone? You didn't tell me you're doing anything to my jawbone. Why, why would there be something wrong? They're like, well, actually we cut a hole in it. We sawed a hole in your jawbone where it's connected to your tongue. And we pulled that piece of bone out and then held it in place with a, with a screw. <laughs> like that's how we moved your tongue out of the way so you could breathe. And oh I was like, wow, God. that was like the first time I had, I heard about that. Wow. Oh, wow. Imagine that, right? Like, you know, it was the first time that I had understood that I might, there was a hole cut in my draw mode and a screw put it in. And I'm not like, you know, a, a, right. you know, like a, a spaced out. Like, I don't go to the doctor and like not listen, right? This is like a serious right. affair. So I was shocked. And so I had, to, I had to resign from my internship, fly back to Palo Alto. They had to cut it open, clean it up, take out the screw. And jawbone infections, the jawbone is a very hard place to heal because there's very little blood circulation. 
they couldn't find out what bug it was. So I had to be on two and a half months of intravenous antibiotics. Oh my gosh. And, you know, for the people that are in health, they might know what that is, but it's, it's broad spectrum intravenous antibiotics. It goes into a catheter from your arm into your heart valve. And again, I was like, hey, why is this elaborate, you know, transfusion? And they're like, well, you know, the, the antibiotics are so powerful, it would actually dissolve a regular vein. So we have to administer it right into your heart valve. Wow. And broad spectrum means like, yeah, I mean, it's like the nuclear option, right? They just kill everything. And I was on two. It was like vancomycin and one other thing. But to cut a long story short, I mean, that was like the, the, the wake up call of, you know, probably my lifetime. I had this yeah. elective, it was like the combination of 10 years of like complete neglect of my health, listening to doctors, not, you know, thinking that I had any responsibility, as you say, for, you know, what I had to do. And that was totally out of my control, actually, that, you know, it was yeah. just... Did you ever think to question them at all at any point? Never. Yeah. Not so until that incident. Never, yeah. because I was brought up not to question doctors. Yeah, well, that that's us. That's society. Yeah, you know, it's we're society. not meant to question the doctor. Not at all. And I think that the way they talk to you, they have a an, a demeanor that almost yes. is is intolerant of being questioned. Yes, and so many doctors behave like that. They do not tolerate being questioned their procedures. And that's the authority that they have to project. And you know, I realized that you know I had been hustled by a, by a businessman. Right. Yeah. Basically, you know, <laughs> that's well said. That's that's literally what happened. Yeah. You know, three years ago, I got a sleep study here in Santa Monica. Miraculously, my sleep score improved by eighty percent. And I would love to say that, hey, you know, it's because of PT. It's not. I actually, you know, the doctor, I was like, that's crazy. How's that possible? Because I've aged by ten years, right? So right. it doesn't improve by eighty percent. And they're like, well, you know, in actuality. First of all, that, that surgery that you got, it's well known now that the success rate is well under 30% because we have 10 years of data. And the second thing is that the sleep center that you did your study at, they've become notorious for counting events that are not apneas as apneas. Oh my gosh. So yeah. your sleep apnea was not as severe as it actually wow. is. Wow. And during that time, did they ever say like, hey, look at your diet or look at your, your stress levels or give you any lifestyle no, no. advice? No, it was straight to, uh, straight to surgery. Straight to surgery. Yeah. Straight to surgery. Yeah. I mean, there's not even like one shred of like yeah. consideration. Th there. To me, like this is, this is the point of healthcare that has to stop. Like why? Because your story was years ago, but this is the moment that we have to change that style of healthcare because there's no room for patient, doctor, collaboration. And people just like go, okay, do whatever you need to do. And they, I loved what you said about they're a businessman and nobody ever thinks of that. And it, it, it's yeah. crazy. I mean, we deal with so many people who come to fasting at the point you were at. Where they're Lucky like, for them, yeah. Yeah, I've done everything I can do. I, don't, I guess I'll give up food and let me see what happens. And yeah. then the body heals. Yeah, it's amazing. amazing. It really is amazing. It really is amazing that, you know, I, and I think that it's, it's just one of those things that maybe you have to go through, right? It's just a, like a, a karmic journey. I yeah. mean, I certainly wouldn't be doing what I was doing now if I hadn't had that experience. So I'm very grateful for it. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of the guests we brought on were like, I didn't set out to be involved in the health movement. I, I you know, I, and they yeah. have stories very similar to yours. So. Exactly. exactly. So how'd you find tea from there? Well, after that, I basically had this, you know, I had this epiphany and I was like, wow, what I've been told for all these years is probably may or may not be true. 
and, and certainly probably isn't helping me, you know, that the pattern of deterioration of my health, I was 30 years old. I celebrated my 30th birthday with that line in my arm. And it was just a very bizarre thing because, you know, I don't have any pre-existing kind of health issues and, you know, everything was, was going quite well. And so after that, I decided to really delve into Eastern medicine into plants, into all the stuff that I had grown up with and, and, you know, been brought up to not believe in actually, you know, by, by an older generation. And so I, I traveled around as, you know, very kind of studious, very serious and very academic about it. I went to find all the best teachers and all the best kind of plant, you know, you know, medicine people. And I got into, into Qigong meditation, which is a form of breath work, which is based on, 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 you know, TCM, Eastern medicine. And then I, I did a lot of herbal treatments and the more I experienced, the more, and the more I learned and the more that I felt, you know, transformed, I, you know, the more curious I got, I just, I started reading like, you know, classics about it in Chinese. I started visiting people that were, you know, in, in all along, actually all along the Western coast here. There are a lot of, a lot of people, the that came from Asia that have set up, you know, the first practices of this, that, and the other incredibly accomplished people. I have two Tai Chi masters just on the Western coast here, but I went to Indonesia. I traveled to Tibet. I went all over the place, just finding these people almost made it my mission. And, and this it. continues to be very inspiring, you know, till today is like, you know, but big part of my continuous learning and reading is in this area. One of my trips took me to um, Yunnan province, which is this place next to Tibet. It's called the foothills of the Himalayas because that's where it is. It's right next to Tibet. I met some of these tea farmers. They're more like guardians of like ancient tea trees than they are tea farmers, like incredible and they're very inspiring people. They, they, they're part of this minority culture. They're almost like tribes people that, that are from there. And they grew up, they've been there for hundreds of years and they've grown up in the land and they know all the plants and they walk around the forest, they know their way around. But they took me to see this, you know, 250-year-old tea plantation, right? And, you know, it's, it's hard to contextualize that, right? Like, well, what is the meaning of that? Well, tea has been around for like 5,000 years, right? The oldest, which is a hell of a long time, the, the oldest tea tree that is still alive today is 3,200 years old. I, I used to, everyone that bought peak used to get a photo of me in that tree, but it's just so, it's so pixelated and low quality. We had to change it. Now I have a, a picture with a 1,700 year old tea tree. I was going to say, you need to go back. I need to go back and retake it. It's very hard yep. to get to. Um, it's this massive thing. But so, so you know, and, and so, uh, you know, a, a 250-year-old tea tree, as remarkable as it is, is actually not that old. So, and so 250 years old ago, 300 years ago, people planted these, these trees. And this was at a time when there was no industrial farming. There was no modern agriculture. They just, you know, everything was planted with a seed which is unheard of these days, right? Right. And, yep. You know, for this kind of, for this kind of um, food source. And, you know, it takes 50 years for a tea tree to mature after you plant it. Wow. So nobody does that anymore, right? No. But the difference when you plant a seed is that and when you sprout, you know, something like a bean, uh, you know, you'll see a, a, a root kind of grow out. Well, that root is a very important thing. That forms a central root that grows straight down into the soil before it spreads out. Okay, And so the root structures of these trees are much deeper and much bigger than modern, you know, kind of, you know, industrialized tea trees, right? So the new, the new way of, of planting a tea tree, when you take a branch and you, you chop it off and you stick it in the water and then roots will grow and you plant that in the ground, that branch already thinks it's a mature tea tree. And so it never grows that central root system. Mm. It just spreads out. And so when you have a, a, a huge plot of land, industrialized tea farm that's grown like that, all the trees are just competing with each other for topsoil. 
Interesting. Which means that you have to feed them because they're totally yep. not sustainable, right? And, and not only do you have to feed them, you also have to get rid of all of the, the shrubs and other things competing for those nutrients, hence herbicides and all of that junk that people use to kill everything. All you right. have is cash crop, right? right? You drive around to farms around here and you just see it's all cash crop, rows and rows and rows of cash crop. Everything else is eliminated. Yep. That's why you so, have things like Roundup, right? Anyways, these, these trees are very weak. And so when I saw this food source, I was like, oh my God, like they're living in a forest. It's a prehistoric forest. They're, they're, you, you have to hack your way in with a machete just to get to the tree to pluck the leaves. That means all of that plant matter is dying and decomposing and adding to the soil diversity. The roots are so deep. There's nothing, you know, the, none of that stuff competes with it for nutrients. And all that stuff is just, it's just enriching. And, and these, because they're so vital, they're so strong, there's no, there isn't a pest problem. The insects aren't going to affect it, right? Yeah. And you plant some camphor trees, which the pest, pest the insects prefer to eat. And so they fill themselves up on the camphor trees. They don't touch the tea trees. And, you know, these guardians of these, you know, ancient tea trees, they just go in, you know, once or twice a year, they pluck off the most tender leaves and they turn it into tea. And, wow. and it's just incredible. And, you know, we have a whole line of teas that are made from these 250 year old trees. I was just going to say, tell me that your tea comes from these trees. Yes, yes. So we have two teas, the fermented green, not all because we have so many different kinds of teas now, but the fermented green tea and the fermented black tea are both from this, this origin, this source, this is a 250-year-old tea tree. And the most amazing thing is that both of these are fermented teas, right? You know, we all know how great fermentation is for you. But when you pluck those leaves and you just, you know, if you leave it around, it's, there's a fermentation process that takes place that ages it. So, you know, when you pluck a leaf, it's green. Eventually it turns black, right? If you have a yard, you, you know that. But it's actually, for these teas, it's the microbes that are from that forest that are causing a wow. fermentation. And so they're converting those antioxidants from one type to another type. And depending on where you stop that process, you know, you can have, you know, like slightly pale to yellow to red to black. It's different spectrum of any antioxidants you're getting that have different health effects. Wow. And are phenomenal for your, you know, your microbiome. Yeah. And I, you know, as you were talking, one of my new passions is really trying to understand regenerative soil. I didn't think you would give me a little lesson yeah. in it, which I love, uh, is trying to get this idea of how we're supposed to get richer soil because yeah, here yeah. in America, our, we're, we're eating food, we're eating, we're drinking coffee, tea, everything from these really deficient soils. Yes, so, yes. Uh, so everywhere, my, everywhere. Yeah. yeah. So my, my guess then would be that if you, there's more minerals, there's more good bacteria, like because of the root system as well, you're, you're definitely yeah. getting a higher, higher antioxidant count, higher mineral totally. count. Yeah, yeah. And trace minerals are in the deep earth, right? If the roots don't go very deep, then you can't get that stuff either. So, so I have to go straight and I, to this question because now my brains, my wheels are turning. One of the things we see with fasters is that there's already mineral deficient. So when they go into a fast, they already have a mineral problem and now they're getting heart palpitations and hair falling out. So yeah. does peak tea say that it has a richer mineral balance that can help fasters with that? I mean, we don't talk about the levels of minerals because it's not something that we, you know, that we track actually. It's not something that we've tested for. It might be something interesting to look at, but, you know, it, it certainly will, will add. I mean, it's definitely not going to take away, right? Like, you know, yeah. to the extent that tea has minerals in it and, you know, ancient tea should have more minerals in it. It's only going to help 
But, you know, I certainly don't want to comment on it fulfilling some sort of daily requirement, right? Right. You know, Can you test it for us, area. please? Yeah. We, if, we you, need to- if you tell me what minerals to look out for, I can certainly test it. I'd be interested in doing that, actually. Yeah, so because you know. yeah. we're going to do, that's like the one of the biggest hurdles we're seeing with fasters is that they're already mineral deficient going in. So I'm actually yeah. currently trying to understand which, what's the best test for minerals and how can we su- support people with minerals before they fast? Because I think then it'll make their fasting efforts so much easier. Yes, it, yes. No, nobody wants to fit into their skinny jeans and have their hair fall out. Like that's just... It's no, not what they're looking right, for. of course, of course, so, yeah. I yeah. know that um, tea, you know, tea and selenium are two things that have been that mm. have been tied together. The the main mineral you're talking about is probably magnesium, right? Magnesium, as as what's yeah. needed for fasting? Yeah, yeah, it's a magnesium's a big one. So, yeah, oh, amazing. Okay, so we'll 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 chat offline about that. But now you got. Yeah. I'm thinking about how we can get our resetters involved in that. So, okay, so you find this you find this ancient tree. You see how well it's growing yeah well okay well that's okay yeah so there's the second part of the story so these natives because okay so this tea is a special tea for the tea from this region makes a special kind of tea it's called puer tea right and it's specific to this region and it's a different type of tea species too it's these big huge trees that tend to live much longer much you know much bigger leaves the leaves are also actually much more concentrated in polyphenols than, than the than the traditional right. tea species right and because of that, it really is a unique tea varietal, right? So that's an important distinction. Because of that, this tea is much more suitable for fermentation. It's kind of like, you know, certain wines or certain cigars, like some of them can just age for longer than others. That has to do right. with the chemical composition of those leaves or all those grapes, right? right? Some wines just can't age at all. And these teas happen to age very well. And it, funnily enough, here's a little digression, but the way that people realized that the fermented version of these teas were good is because it was so hard to get stuff in and out of this area. Historically, there were no roads, mm. you know, there were obviously no airports. And so it'd be, it'd be transported out on a horse and camelback. By the time it made it to the end market, these teas would have been rained on and like fermented for, for months and people started developing a liking for the fermented flavor. That's how the whole fermentation started. Yeah. But anyways, because these leaves are so rich, it's very difficult to brew. So if you were to, to brew this tea traditionally, you could steep the same batch of tea like upwards of 10 times, which is crazy. I mean, like, you know, if, and you don't want to waste it. So you, you steep this yeah. thing again and again and again, right? Well, that's very complicated for, for, you know, most people, right? And so the natives figured out this way where they would take the leaves and they boil it in these pots, like, you know, just like, you know, in a, in just over like a fire and they extract everything into the water and then they throw out the leaves and they just keep reducing that stock into a, into a paste, like a resin, and they scrape it up and then they would eat it. And that's how they would consume oh. their tea. And they, you know, if they went out for, for treks, for hikes, you know, sometimes it takes like days to get from one village to the next. They just eat one of these and it keeps them vital. How many years do these guys live? They probably live well into their hundreds. Well, I mean, considering what they're exposed to, I think they live pretty long lives. Yeah. I mean, they're, you know, they're really exposed to the elements. I don't know if a, a proper study has been done on their, on the longevity. But when I saw that, it was just incredible because it was, you know, it's, it's accessible, right? Like it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's easy. It's, it makes things, you know, so that when people don't have time, they can access it. And so that became the inspiration for our tea crystals. I said, hey, you know what? Like a lot of people would benefit from not having to, you know, steep their tea 10 times. 
and to get all of the, the nutrients and the benefits and so on and so forth. So we improved upon that process. We have this, you know, cutting edge technology is called cold crystallization. It's very low heat. It's kind of like taking water to Mount Everest and boiling it. It just like evaporates, right? You get rid of the moisture, but you, you don't, it doesn't heat up. You okay. have tea on Mount Everest. The water never gets hot enough. And so we use the same method. So we first brew the tea and then we take out the leaves and then we evaporate the water away. And of course, that's much gentler and much better than brewing it in a pot over high heat. And what right. you get left are, the, are our tea crystals. It's a very kind of refined, you know, very gentle extraction process. And so then when we get it, I just had one, by the way, I, I'm drinking the beauty one. Can you tell? Oh, nice. Yes. No, I can't. But... <laughs> I mean, we just did oh, a little Oh, you mean from your, from your, from yeah, your, can't you from tell your, by of my, course I can tell. By my face? I thought you were ha- asking if I could tell from your mug. I was no, like, well, you, you know, can, not you really. You can see yeah. a little bit into no, my mug. No, you look like you're positively glowing. <laughs> I was about to say. We just did a team break and took a little yeah. beauty elixir. Even the flowers behind you are singing and enjoying yeah, right. there we the go. orchids. Yeah. I, I love it. I just need some orca whales like you've got behind you. So. <laughs> But what I love about it is the convenience. So um, it's concentrated. So when you put it into your drink, you've it's the would it be the equivalent of the guys who have the paste that took the paste and walked along? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it's better because you know a lot of the things about the so the flavor of tea, you know, whether it's the you know the tartness of the hibiscus inside your beauty, or you know the the sweetness of the of the of the of the um, the licorice root, or whatever, or even like you know, I'm drinking the fermented green right now. You know, the bitterness is the taste of caffeine. The tannins is actually the the, the taste of the polyphenols. Mm. All of these things are you know are meant to be. When you drink a matcha, people love matcha for its kind of creamy, savory taste. That's the right. taste of L-theanine, the amino acid. You know, liquid aminos taste like soy sauce, right? Yeah. And so, you know, the, the L-theanine also has that soy sauce, savory kind of, it's the umami flavor. So, so all the things that tea tastes like are meant to be there. Yeah. That's why we like it. And so, you know, the, the high heat that was being used in the villages was, you know, it was destroying a lot of the flavor, destroying a lot of the active ingredients. It was very bitter, very burnt. And so, you know, the fact that our tea crystals, you know, we won three gold medals, you know, at the Global Tea Championships. The fact that we can do that as a tea crystal is, is, a, is a testament to, you know, the, the, the translation of, you know, the tea into crystals and, and delivering all of those active ingredients in the right balance. Yeah, there, so there, the, my perception of the taste is it's very smooth. It's like kind of like the difference of like a young wine that was made with bad grapes compared to an aged wine that yes, just is yes. smooth on your tongue. I, it, it, whereas like what I've tried to do with tea before, what happens if I'm putting loose tea in a pot is I walk away from it and then it gets bruised too much and it's really bitter and strong. Yeah. So you guys have already done the calculation and the brewing. So you just yes. pour it in your cup and go. Yes, yes. Every single tea that we have, we have like over 20 teas now. Every single one of those is, is extracted to a different to a different spec. And, and that spec changes per batch. Because right. you know the tea from this year would be different from last year. And so we constantly have to change it and modify it. So you know it's actually a very artisanal process. There's a strong level of kind of tea mastership in getting the right profile of the, of the teas. 
Yeah. Interesting. So, okay, so dive into the benefits of it because I went in, I went to your website just to kind of see what you guys were sort of profiling as the benefits. And a large part of why I wanted to have a conversation with you is about the fa- the, how we can use it with fasting. But there's also an immune benefit to tea. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, historically, people, you know, in in America tend to drink a lot of tea during the winter months, right? And in fact, a lot of tea drinkers will consider themselves tea drinkers if they just drink tea once a week, you know, or, you know, when when they have a cold or something, they drink tea. But, you know, the the immune support function of tea is, is very, very well known because of the antioxidant profile of it. And so, you know, when you get antioxidants, you know, there's kind of, it helps scavenge free radicals in your body. It helps support cellular regeneration. You know, vitamin C is obviously an antioxidant, but polyphenols, which are, you know, tea has one of the richest sources of polyphenols amongst all the foods out there. Yeah, right? it does. And so it's just a very, very kind of conducive beverage for, for immune support. Do you have a clove tea? Do you have any of them with cloves? No, we don't. Shall we make one? Yeah, I found that clove is, from my research into polyphenols, it has literally the highest polyphenol of all spices. Oh, is that so? so? Wow. Yeah, so if you could combine your tea with a clove, you would have like a polyphenol power tea. Right. They have the clove that's used in some Indian cuisine, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. I like um, high tea, maybe. Yeah, like we have patients that'll just chew the cloves to get you know straight for to to get your breath clean, but all and fresh. But it also has this incredible polyphenol count. Yeah, so, yeah. I'd love. To we see actually it have too. played with that ingredient, to be honest, not as a standalone, but we have we have played with that one actually. So immune health and you would now here's a question because one of my one of my things around health is um, I'm not a believer in what I call the magic mushroom. Like, oh, you just take this pill, you take this tea and like, boom, magic mushroom, yeah. like you're, you're cured. Like I'm not, a, I, I believe there's a lifestyle we should build. So right. if I wanted to build a lifestyle around proper immune health, it sounds to me like I would need to bring tea into that foundational lifestyle. Yes. Yes. Without a doubt, without a doubt. And so I mean, that's the number of studies linking tea to immune support are, you know, are countless. I think tea is one of the most studied. In fact, it is the most studied superfood out there yes. because, you know, two thirds of the world drink tea every single day. Right. Yes. And, and, you know, outside of the U.S. is the second most drank beverage after water. And so, you know, thousands of studies have been done just on Japan because, you know, Japan has a very high level of depression, very high level of, of smoking, but, you know, very high level of longevity as well. So anyways, tons of studies done on green tea. But the biggest hurdle between people, between tea and people like experiencing the benefits is actually the, 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 the consumption amount, the quantity. Mm. And that's kind of tied to what I was saying earlier is that, you know, culturally, a lot of people here think that they're tea drinkers if they drink, you know, one, one a week. And they're right. like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm getting the benefits of green tea. I have one a week. It's just kind of like, you know, the person that goes to the gym once a week and is like, yeah, you know, I have a fitness routine. Yeah, I exercise. It, yeah. it doesn't work like that, right? If you look at the tea drinking cultures, they're drinking. And Harvard School of Public Health has this on their on their website, Nutrition Source, which is a very you know highly credible you know source of nutrition. But you know they they went through all of the studies, and all of them obviously have an amount of tea that's linked to some sort of observed benefit, and they've translated that to roughly three or more cups of tea a day. 
three or more cups a day, okay. right? Which is, I think, you know, exponentially more than what most people drink, including tea Absolutely. drinkers, yep. right? And so how do you do that? How do you drink the amount? Like everyone wants the benefits of tea. The, the benefits of tea are very well documented. I don't think anyone would dispute that, hey, you know, the studies on tea are not legit, right? Because it's like drinking it for like 5,000 years, I mean, across the world. And it's totally cross-genetic too, you know, these studies. Well, the problem is how do you incorporate it? How do you drink three or more cups of tea a day? And, and actually you, you have to have an understanding of, of culturally how to, how to build this into, you know, into your day and to have the day parts into the occasions of use. And so, you know, that's a huge part of my education, you know, drinking the right teas at the right time. If you I wake saw up, that. I yeah, love that. Yeah. Yeah. So which teas, what teas are we supposed to drink at what time of day? Yeah. So this is a huge question, right? There's no easy answer. Everybody's different. <laughs> Fortunately, everybody yeah, is truly well, that's different. What, that's typically my answer to everything. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> I mean, if you're not BSing somebody, then that's really the right answer, right? Yeah. And, you know, and, and that's why we say that. But I'll tell you what I do and, and why I do it. And this will shed some light on, you know, what decisions you make. So I wake up, I always drink a black tea. The reason I, I drink black tea is because that the release of caffeine is fastest with black teas. Okay, so I get the morning energy much faster. When you drink a green tea, green tea caffeine tends to be bound to green tea antioxidants, the catechins. They're bound in a bigger molecule. So when you drink that green tea, your body has to metabolize that huge compound, has to digest it before the caffeine's released. And so there's just, there's a time release of caffeine that lasts, you know, anywhere from four to six hours when you drink green tea. That's a wonderful thing, but not if you want to wake up quickly in the morning. Mm -hmm. Now, after lunch, I drink my green tea because I want stable energy through the end of the day. I don't want to crash at 4 p.m. or, you know, 3.30 or whatever, right? I want to last to dinner. It's four to six hours gentle release. Gentle release. So it's not like if you drink tea, green tea at two, you'll be awake, you'll be buzzing at eight. No, no. It depends how much you drink and how sensitive you are. But for the vast majority of people, that's not going to happen. Okay. Right. It's a jet. It's no. It doesn't all come at like you know. At I just the want six to make hour. sure. Yeah. No. 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 It's Sorry, very gradual. I have to reach out to you and tell you I couldn't sleep at night. <laughs> well, you know that that happens, but don't drink. You know, just don't. You 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 can try. You know, make, and for those people that have those issues, try it. Like you know, initially try it during lunch, and then try it one after one hour after lunch. But you know, don't drink it at dinner, right? Unless you want to stay up all night. No. Yes, it's a very gentle release. And the best thing is that with that comes L-theanine, right? Which is a compound that's only found in tea. It's, you know, it's called nature's chill pill. It, it actually helps your brain enter a state of, of alpha activity, which is the state that you're in when you're in the flow state or in a mindful state. So when you're, if you're a potter and you're making your pot or you're a painter and you're painting, or, you know, you're an Olympic swimmer and you're swimming, you're, you're in alpha state, right? So tea actually helps you do that. Yeah. That's why monks like to drink tea. So along with this gentle stimulant, the caffeine time release, you're also getting a sedative, right? Amazing. Amazing. I mean, like, how could you, you like, yeah, that, right. it doesn't get better than that. Yeah. And so, and so there you already have two cups, right? And so your third cup, right? Typically, I will either have a, I will either have two cups of tea in the morning Okay, or I'll have one cup of tea and then one in the afternoon, or I'll have one in the morning, one in the afternoon, and then herbal tea at night. Depends on how I feel. And the herbal teas, you know, they're, they're like, like a zillion herbal teas, even something as simple as mint, which we have, or the beauty elixir, which you just drank. Oh, all of really these teas, yummy. 
Oh, it's so delicious. All it's of so these good. teas have different polyphenols in them. Hibiscus is, you know, apparently more, it's more, it has higher levels of vitamin C than orange juice, right? And so, and used across cultures, you know, the Egyptians first drank it. By the way, Cleopatra was the one that made it her beauty elixir. Right? Look, what, <laughs> look at what everybody thought yeah. of her. Exactly, exactly. And there's a huge culture of drinking it in Mexico as a digestive. And so all of these different plants at night do phenomenal things for you. So if you don't want tea, you know, drink a ginger, drink a hibiscus, whatever it is. But it's very easy to get three in a day, right? It's just super easy. And, you know, the easiest way to do peak is to just put it in a a bottle as well. You know, anytime I I leave the house, (laughs) even if I'm going hiking or something, it's just a wonderful thing to have. And, you know, just understanding when, when you need it is kind of like a, a quiver of different plants, right? You, you yeah. feel a certain way, you, you do it a certain way. I yeah. even put the green tea crystals in my mouth. Yeah, I wondered when you were talking about the guys with the paste, I was like, I bet I could just take the peak tea and put it straight into yeah. my mouth. Yeah, the, the fermented green tea is, is, is amazing for that, uh, for, you know, for immune support. You know, I'm not supposed to talk about this because, you know, it's so hazardous these days but you know there's a lot of there's a lot of benefit you know to to just letting it dissolve in your mouth you know all the the drops and sprays is the same concept one one little container which you got the way you guys built it like Mm -hmm. couldn't be any easier but one little packet is a cup eight ounces yeah we recommend eight ounces of water which is a cup yeah and does it matter that if you want to maximize the health benefits does it matter if it's cold or hot Oh yes, absolutely. So this is this is also a huge thing. I'm so glad you asked, Mindy. Thank you. So the the temperature of water that you use is immensely important to get the to get the flavor. A lot of people, you know, drink tea. They're like, oh, I hate tea. I'm not a tea person. It tastes bad. It's because you know you brewed it in in, in you know using the wrong method. You've either steeped it for too long or too little time, or the water was too hot or too cold. And, you know, to use matcha as an example, because it's very apparent, if you use water that is too hot to make matcha, you not only instantly destroy all of the L-theanine, which is, Mm. is, you know, doesn't hold up well to to high temperatures, you're also extracting all of the caffeine from those ground up tea leaves. So matcha is a, a pulverized, powderized tea leaf. So you can imagine like the surface area. And if you brew a matcha in hot water, you're instantly going to extract all the caffeine out of there. Caffeine tastes very bitter. And so you're going to drink this thing that is super bitter. It's going to get you wired. And you're going to be like, why do people like matcha? It's horrible. Tastes bad. Got me super wired. It's because of the water temperature. You know, okay. matcha temperature should almost be lukewarm. Okay. And that's how you get the maximal alphenine and you have a very calming experience. So I've teamed up with Tony Horton. Do you know Tony Horton? He was the creator of P90X, one of the most revolutionary at-home fitness programs. And we created together a new fitness program called Power Sync 60. And it is literally, this program's never been done. It is a revolutionary 60-day program for both men and women. So here's why I want you to join us, is that we literally created PowerSync 60 with you in mind. So it doesn't matter if you're a cycling woman, a postmenopausal woman, or a man, one of the things I brought to Tony was that when we work out, we have to think about our hormones. And he had never done that in the millions of workouts that he's created in his lifetime. We also included a free bonus meal plan and a customized tailor way you can eat right for yourself. Also, of course, we put some fasting in there and it was a beautiful meeting of the minds. 
So I, it, this is like a passion project that I'm so excited to share with you. And in order to get it, all you got to do is visit drmindy.org and use the code PS60PELS. So PS60 and then my last name, PELS, P-E-L-Z, to get 20% off. And you get lifetime access to the program. So that's drmindy.org and you use the code PS60PELS to join all of us. I'm actually doing this myself right now. So come join me, my community on this incredible journey. I am so proud to bring this to you. My experience with green tea is very, very much like that, but I always do it warm. I've never done it lukewarm. I also get nauseous with it. If I do it on an empty stomach, I get a little nauseous. Yes, that's a great thing to add. So actually, that even happens to me. And this happens, this is very connected to your to your body disposition. Okay. You know, in, in Ayurveda and, and, and TCM, you have different body disposition, right. you have different doshas. And so, you know, people that have an adverse reaction to green tea should definitely avoid drinking it first thing in the morning. First thing in the morning is when you're, you know, even if you're faster or not, you fasted during your sleep time, right? And so to drink green tea first thing in the morning before you've eaten anything is going to make your stomach very, very sensitive, potentially make you nauseous or give you a headache, right? And that's why if you really love green tea in the morning, you can either cut it with milk or with any sort of milk, or you can eat something first and then drink the green tea, but don't do it on an empty stomach. Some people drink green tea on empty stomach are not completely fine. Many people. Yeah, I know. I, I would be drinking tea all day long, but that's my biggest, you know, we're, I'm doing like today, I haven't eaten yet. Like I'm fat, doing so many, so much fasting that I, I, I don't, I want to yeah. use it for that taste, but I don't want to get nauseous because now I definitely am going to have to break my fast. Yeah, try the um, ginger green fasting tea. You have that, right? And then yeah, also yeah, we have we a, have a bunch here. Yeah, yeah, we also have the cinnamon herbal fasting tea. And so the cinnamon herbal is a completely herbal. There's no you know traditional tea in it. Okay. And so that will be a great one for you. And for a lot of people that actually have sensitivity, rooibos is a phenomenal one. Yeah, that's what's so in we the beauty. have a rooibos. Right? That's hibiscus. Hibiscus, okay. Yeah. The rooibos is great because it almost has no tannins whatsoever Mm. and very high in polyphenols. Okay. Yeah. So let's go into the fasting piece because this is what I really want my resetters to know. um, We get so many questions, Simon, I can't even tell you, of people who are like, what breaks a fast? What can I drink in a fast? And so I ended up going down a rabbit hole of research on what, what... teas, coffees, drinks changed your blood sugar. And like you said, I found so much research on black tea and green tea. If you look at the cultures that have are drinking those teas on a regular basis, they have the lowest cases of diabetes because it helps to stabilize their blood sugar. So now I'm looking at your peak teas and I'm like, okay, how do we use this? Not just because I'm bored and I'm fasting and I want a different taste, is there a way to use your teas to help bring blood sugar down, stabilize blood sugar? And a lot of people who have high blood sugar want blood sugar to come down so they can make ketones. Like, how do we use this as a tool? Okay, well, first of all, this is unfortunately one area that I really cannot comment about. 
Okay, sorry, and I'm so just geeking out over here. No, no, this is this is wonderful, and I'm certainly, you know, I, you know, by by not by not commenting, I'm certainly not suggesting there's any linkage between RTs and blood sugar. But the FDA is is incredibly hawkish about any sort of tea related stuff and blood, and especially blood sugar and blood lipid. So, you know, I encourage all of the, you know, the listeners in your audience to do their own research online. There's, there's, as you say, there's like tons and tons and tons of it. Specifically yeah. I did, about I actually this topic. did, I did yeah. a YouTube video on it. On yeah, the there's so much research. It's, it's sad, you know, that we can't really talk about it, unfortunately, yeah. but it's, yeah. this is something that is very much on their radar. But you, you created a fasting line. So the fasting line was meant to just help with boredom or was it there to enhance the, the healing effect of fasting? Are you yeah, that? <laughs> thank you. Thank you for being sensitive to that. No, well, there are a couple of things that it does, actually. There are a couple of things that it does. The first thing is that it actually helps you, you know, manage satiety. So manage your, your, your feeling of fullness, so tea actually has a way of supporting healthy levels of ghrelin, which is the hunger hormone, right? And so, you know, typically you break a fast because you're hungry and, and the hunger hormone ghrelin is responsible for making you feel hungry, right? Well, there are studies that link, you know, healthy, you know, supported levels of ghrelin and, and tea consumption. So it actually helps you manage your cravings, so it helps which hunger. is... Yeah. Which is which is wonderful, yeah. and I and I'm just I'm just going to point out since you can't point it out, I'm going to point it out that it also helps stabilize your blood sugar. So then, when your blood sugar goes down, you're not as hungry either. Okay, I'm just going to say I didn't it, say that. I know yeah. you didn't say it. I'm going to say it. And, and so, and the other thing is that it does help with all the benefits of fasting, right? And so, you know, people fast to you know to in, in many cases to to burn calories to to reduce you know fat you know, content in the body, right? And so thermogenesis is the, is the process of converting fat into energy. And so there've also been, been, been studies on, on tea and thermogenesis, right? So this is a very healthy relationship between your metabolism and, and conversion of, of fat to fuel and, and what tea's relationship is to that. And the third thing actually really is to eliminate boredom. So we've had like a huge amount of feedback from our, you know, our, our customers in our community that, you know, having something to turn to is hugely relieving, actually. Yeah. Something that, you know, I mean, technically speaking, tea breaks your fast because it has, you know, low single digit calories in it, right? So technically it breaks your fast. But the benefits that you reap from drinking tea and fasting are, are you know, far, you know, basically overwhelmed that technical breaking of the fast, right? Yeah. So that to have, to be able to turn to something, you know, during those hours, is just, it's, it's huge, it's huge. It's like, you know, having entertainment, if you're, if you're bored, like having a book or like a TV show or music. I mean, it's just like, imagine, right? It's really something helps a lot. And we yeah. have so many flavors, you know, it's like a quiver again, you know, you pick your arrow for the time. Yeah. It's a mental game, right? Fast, especially the longer fast and all your limiting beliefs come up about food and what you need. So I, I agree. The first time I learned to fast, I actually did bone broth fasting for that reason. I was like, well, maybe if I have some broth, that'll be better. And now you just learn over time that even doing nothing is, is helpful. And again, I'm geeking out that if I can, I, I want to see what we can find out about the mineral content because the minerals really can help elongate the fast as well. Oh, is that so? Yeah. So I'm, you know, the, what we teach resetters is what breaks a fast is you take your blood sugar, you drink whatever you're going to drink. And then a half an hour later, you take your blood sugar again. And you see if those are very similar. 
if they're similar, you're still staying in a fasted state. Okay, right? that's great. So, yeah. So we'll try it. We'll do it with peak tea. We'll let you. We'll let yeah, you know let the benefits. Know. Yeah, of that. So you have, from what I can tell, you guys have two lines. You have the immune line and you have the fasting line. And and what I'm hearing from you today is, okay, so we want to create a ritual around tea that we are building it in all day long, and then we can lean to tea for fasting society, you know, for just being able to overcome the mental game of fasting or just to kick down the hormones that create hunger. So what else? are Do people use it for... Ther- are you allowed to comment on if they're used for therapy, therapeutic? Like I got a respiratory problem or I'm having trouble sleeping. Are there certain teas that you have that can help with that? I mean, gut health is another huge pillar for us and something yeah. that's very close to heart for me, just given the antibiotic use that, you know, I, I had in my life. Mm-hmm. So I really do believe, you know, and there, there have been quite a number of studies done on, on kind of tea and the microbiome as well. And this goes for, you know, pretty much, you know, any tea that has traditional tea leaves in it. It's meant to support a healthy balance of gut flora, right? And so, you know, help support a balanced level of good bugs and bad bugs, right? You know, ultimately not have the bad bugs take over. And the interesting thing, and I think there's actually, this is a very cutting edge area of tea research now, is that, you know, the polyphenols in tea are actually not bioavailable at all. They're not absorbable. And in fact, most of them are not absorbed in your body. What's happening is that it's going into your gut and the microbes there are metabolizing them. Mm. And they're, I mean, they're basically eating them, right? And, yeah. and the metabolites, you know, the, the byproduct of that process is what is beneficial to your body, yeah. which is really amazing, right? And it's yeah. those metabolites that have all of these different health benefits. And, you know, it's very cutting edge and it's, it's what's happening right now. So Harvard School of Public Health has, a, has an automated kind of fecal kind of, you know, analytical system where they can study, you know, hundreds and hundreds of different stool samples all at once to observe the effects of different, you know, plants and polyphenols on those, on those uh, microbes and the metabolites. But obviously there's a very strong connection there with the, with the gut and with tea. And, you know, traditionally in Asia, people really, really drink tea for digestion as well, right? It's always tied to meals in Hong Kong, where there's a huge culinary kind of, you know, culture, people, always drink tea during, you know, feasting, big meals, you know, fest, fest, you know, festivities, you know, kind of big holidays and things like that. So it's very, very, and many, many people I know, they just can't start the day without their tea because they can't go to the toilet, right? Yeah. And so, you know, helping them stay regular, you know, people have that reaction with coffee too, but you know, the, the, the tea is like just helping you to start the day and stay regular. I mean, the whole digestive, you know, benefit of that is tremendous. And, and you spoke of coffee. I was thinking the same thing. I'm like, I wonder how the benefits c- compare to coffee as far as health benefits. Because coffee has a lot of antioxidants in it. Totally. Yeah. And it can help with bowel per- movement. It's got polyphenols in it. Mm-hmm. Have, have you guys done any research on how tea is different than coffee from a health perspective? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's something that we discuss and, and talk about quite a bit. You know, the main and I used to be, by the way, during my during my twenties, I was like a ten. I was a two espresso, double espresso a day yeah. drinker. I think that the main difference is in terms is is in, in the energy, the type of energy that you experience. Okay. And so, you know, for me, maybe it's because I've you know got some years behind me now. It's just like, you know, the feeling that I get from tea is something that. I've become very accustomed to, and it's, you know, it it has a level of kind of, you know, 
calmness of being able to approach things with equanimity. You know, it's part of my meditation practice, you know, dealing with challenges and, you know, surprising things on a, you know, basically daily basis in, in starting a business. You know, tea provides me with that clarity when I meditate in the mornings, you know, when I get through my day, you know, managing my team and, and you know, encountering different things and, you know, the surprises that life throws at you, right? Yeah. I find that the energy that you get from coffee is, it, it makes, it's, it's, it's a much faster onset, you know, it's, that's, you know, very clear. And, but it also leads to a trough of energy, right? And okay. you know, I just remember that feeling that I used to have of this kind of anxiety of like, you know, almost having a withdrawal and that, you know, antsiness of coffee. I don't get that at all from tea. And, yeah. and you know, the, the anxiety and, and the impact that it has on your stress levels and your cortisol production, on your adrenals, like, you know, all of that stuff for people that are addicted to coffee and, and energy, you know, beverages, it's just, you know, that's, you know, really not, not beneficial, right? Not, not yeah. good for you. And I find that just the energy and the calmness that tea brings to me and my performance and my mental clarity and everything is, uh, is just, you know, I can't, I rarely drink coffee these days, you know. You need to make a menopause tea because that's one of the things that I've seen a lot of women as they go through menopause because our progesterone goes down. Progesterone is the calming hormone. So when mm -hmm. you're not getting enough progesterone, you're quicker to go to anxiety. So if you have any other stimulant in your body, you can quickly get into that place where you can't relax your mind, you can't relax your body. And it's, it just sort of subtly happens after 40. So I can't tell you how many women I've consulted with that are, you know, 50 and above. And they're like, I can't do coffee anymore. I just, I gave it Interesting. up. Interesting. Yeah. And so I'm finding what you're saying about the speed of release of the caffeine so intriguing because I think it's that quickness of, of coffee that just puts them in a high alert state. Yeah, you can go into, you know, flight or fight state, sympathetic nervous response. Right. It, it happens actually quite often. Quickly, yeah. So I'm going yeah. to task you with that too. You need to come up what with is that? Do you know what, what plant is good for that? Well, I can tell you what's good for progesterone because if you could put something yeah. in that would raise progesterone, but progesterone, the plants that, well, the foods are uh, beans, squashes, potatoes. Oh, you could do the citrus, citrus. All the citrus and tropical fruits have oh, high. So you, I, I know with the fasting teas, you have more of the herbs, but yeah. um, I'll do some research for you because it would be, there is a need for women as they don't have those hormones to make them feel better. We, if there was something else we could turn to that would, would help be a calm to the nervous system, but then you also have the issue of a menopausal woman who has brain fog. And so her, you know, she needs more mm. mental clarity. Right. So green, green tea with some citrus could be mm -hmm. the mm -hmm. solution. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I have, um, we have a bergamot fasting tea, which might be really wonderful for that actually. It's, you know, we, we use a bergamot rind that's from Calabria, Italy. It's not like a essence or, you know, flavoring. We actually right. get it from Calabria's, you know, where it, bergamot fruits originally right. from it's what right. they make our old gray tea with but we actually use the the fresh rind or the dry rind from the yeah. actual fruit well i have we have hundreds of thousands of resetters that would be anxious to try it and i'll yeah, we'll get feedback that could be like, very like, interesting yeah where I, my brain goes is okay how do we use this to help with minerals yes we can use it for boredom 
And then how do we help the menopausal woman use it just yeah. to calm her nervous system down? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Missing, she's missing hormones that naturally do that. So could you use tea as a way to just get the nervous system down a notch? Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. Yes, I would love to. I would love to try that out with your with your audience. Yeah, yeah. We have a people. The, what I love about our resetters is they're just really engaged in their health. They're like your story about how you know you with with not ever questioning the medical world. Most of these resetters have either been in a health crisis or they're preventing a health crisis, and so they have learned to question everything, which is what I think we should do. We should start thinking for ourselves, take responsibility, and take control. Right? Yeah. Absolutely. And I think it's so interesting how we've gotten so far off from just something as simple as tea being therapeutic. It's like, okay, if I gave somebody a SSRI medication and said, this is going to make you feel better, or I get told them, hey, you got to drink three cups of tea a day for a month, they're going to grab the medication over the SSR or over the T in a heartbeat because they oh. don't have enough validity and there's more work, even though it doesn't seem like a lot of work to. And that's, that's the mindset I want to change. I want to help people go back to a foundational idea of let's build an amazing lifestyle so we don't need all the medications. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's not become dependent on medication. Let's get, or, and let's not become dependent upon. Even, you know, when new viruses come to town, like you have more power than just masking up and and isolating. You can, that's why I was interested in the immune piece is like, Mm -hmm. what else can we put into our, into our world right now, into our lifestyles so that we don't have to live in fear? Absolutely. That's such a big one. Are there any downsides to tea that you know of? Honestly, no. You know, I would say that, you know, and I would be very upfront about this, but there there are so many people that drink so much tea a day. You know, my grandfather has drank over 10 cups a day. He's actually 106 right now. Wow. Yeah. And, and so much of the population that drinks a crazy amount of tea. You know, there, there are people that, you know, every once in a while write in about, you know, kidney stones, having concerns about kidney stones and, and drinking tea. But, you know, we've looked into the research for that and it's very mixed, you know, tea being, you know, bad if you have kidney stones. The, the research is quite mixed. I, I personally, honestly, haven't found anything that is conclusive that says, hey, you know, you need to be careful about this. And of course, with that said, you know, everybody's body is different, you know. Absolutely. You might just, tea might just not suit you. Um, right. and, and that's very, you know, very normal. And I'm sure there are many people that are in that camp that just, you know, their bodies are, don't take well the tea. But it's, it would be a very individual thing. And, and I don't think there's any sort of significant study or anything like that that's okay. their side effects to drinking tea or even too much tea. Yeah. Because I know, I know we'll get that question. When I went to your website, um, which is beautiful, by the way. Thank what, you. Where would I start? So there's a lot of options there. Oh, and, no. <laughs> no, and even like in the packs that we have in our, we have a little kitchenette in our office and I'm like, well, how do, what do I do? Like if I'm brand new to tea and I just want to like start it, I love this idea of the three teas you would drink a day. I think that's phenomenal. And then we have our fasting teas. Are they like, do you have them bundled together or how would I, where's my entry into peak tea? Yes, yes. So we definitely have a fasting section, but we also have a peak tea protocol. So we have a tea drinking protocol. Love it. 
I'd be happy to share that with you so that your resellers can get it. I don't know if you have show notes, but we could certainly share yes. it with them, with, 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 with the resellers somehow. And they could just take it all, every single one of our teas are listed. In fact, it tells you when to drink what tea at what time during the day. It tells you the different brewing temperatures of every single tea, all the things that we talked about. And in fact, Great. I think it also talks about the health benefits of every single one. Love it. So yes, it's a perfect you. guide. You know, it is a big universe. You know, it's uh, there's so many different types of plants. So I yeah. totally get that. Yeah. That we do have show notes and we will leave it in there. And Wonderful. Um, yeah, I can't wait to unleash my my people on tea and then see what happens. So that's incredibly helpful. Okay, so let me finish up with this. I we like to ask five unique questions to you just about mm-hmm. your product or your life. So my first question, and this is just a selfish question because I want to know, is what's your favorite flavor of peak tea? To pick one, one favorite child, huh? Yes. <laughs> wow. Yes, well, please. Because uh, <laughs> that's going to be the one I start with. Well, you know what's funny is that it, it may not be the tea that I drink the most, but if I could only drink one tea... There ever you from you know from here there from here onwards it would be the the fermented green that that for me is you know it's from that special tea type of tea species so very high in in, in polyphenols um it's fermented so you know there's a gut health you know impact it you know to me that's just kind of it's the most precious one it, it's from you know amazing you know ecology sustainability amazing active ingredient profile amazing health benefits that would probably be the best one. We just launched one. If I'm allowed to have a second, a third. <laughs> yeah, you can have a second, a third. That's fine. And my top three would be the fermented green, fermented black. So fermented black is the is the fully fermented version of that green. Okay. And and very very kind of like different profile for for gut health. So it's it's like a complete. It doesn't have catechins in it. Catechins are, are the green tea antioxidants. It actually because it's been converted into black tea antioxidants, so theoflavins. So totally different. You know, you want to get the rainbow of antioxidants, right? So you know, I do both of those. And then finally, the turmeric that we just launched is a is a is a Japanese is an Okinawan turmeric that's fermented with with mango yeast. Oh. I drink that almost every single day. Yeah, it's incredible. Oh, Canal well, is a blue zone, you know. Right. Since I was going to say, will it make you live to 100? <laughs> probably, probably. <laughs> Not allowed to say it, but maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the, hundred, the centenarians do drink a lot of it, so. Okay, that's awesome. I love it. Yeah. Okay, what are five things that you do on a daily basis for your own health that you would just never give up? I'm definitely meditate. I cook all wow. our meals. Myself. Yeah. Every single one. So I would never give that up. You know, some sort of vegetable. I'm I'm very into cooking my vegetables. And this is the body disposition thing. Like I don't, you know, I don't take well as well to raw vegetables as I do cooked. And so I like to cook all my vegetables. I typically saute them. And there's an interesting thing about sauteing is that if you use a little oil, um, it, it coats the vegetables. So, you know, if you saute vegetables, you put a little bit of oil, maybe throw in a piece of ginger or some garlic just to, you know, just to get some aromatics in there. And then you throw in the, the vegetables, the, the, the oil coats all the vegetables. And once that's done, you can actually add water and then the vegetables get steamed, but it doesn't turn into that papery kind of like, you know, you know, you know, when you steam vegetables, it's just like. They're just soggy. 
it's soggy, right? Yeah. It, it seems like the water is penetrated right through the vegetables and destroyed the fibers. And it's just like, you know, like, you know, if you rubbed it with your fingers, it turned into powder. When you saute vegetables, that doesn't happen because the oils locks everything inside. It's amazing. Oh. So you and coat so, it you know, before you put it in the pan, you coat it? No, no. You, you put it in the pan that has the oil in it and okay. then you just stir it, you know. Got you just it. let it go around. You know, you let the oil kind of like, you know, you know, bathe it in the oil. Right. Not bathe it in the oil, but let the oil coat everything. It doesn't Got have it. to be a lot of oil. Just, you know, a little oil is fine. Okay. Olive oil, you know, a healthy oil. And then after that, you just add some water and you turn up the heat and it's basically steaming it, right? But the, ah. the, it's already coated with oil. It's amazing. And there's... Yeah, they seal it in. There's also quite a number of studies, you know, even with tea and, you know, Bulletproof Coffee, obviously famous product, but the milk and tea, the lipids actually help delivery of polyphenols, right? It actually adds, you know, it's kind of like... I didn't know that. Yeah, Yeah. it's actually kind of like a liposomal, you know, liposomal vitamin C is a big thing now. It's like a liposomal delivery mechanism. Okay. Because, you know, the, 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 the oil and the water and everything is just meant to be, it, it helps absorb better. So anyways, the fourth one would be some sort of vegetable that's sauteed, right? So there's, there's tea, there's breath work, there's, there's cooking my own meals, and then there's vegetable. And the fifth one, definitely some sort of, you know, exercise. You know, I don't go crazy with my exercise, but I try to do it every single day. Yeah. What's your favorite? Oh, I love walking my dog in the, in the woods. You know, yeah. I'm going to do that after this podcast, but you know, we'll walk for like 45 minutes to an hour, you know, brisk okay. pace yeah. outdoors in the trees. If I could do that every day, it'd be amazing. Yeah, that's one thing I've changed dramatically. I used to work out all the time and now I just have like, it's more of like just building it in for mental sanity as long as well yeah. as health. So, yeah. and, you, and you cook at home because A, you probably do it better, but it's healthier. That- it's so much healthier. It's so much healthier. I mean, you know, than any any sort of eating out or or buying prepared foods, or, you know, there's a ton of like food delivery things in LA where chefs like, you know, will send food to you. I can just say that, you know, I've tried all of them, obviously, like, you know, having been short of time for cooking. But I can say that, you know, one, it's actually possible to cook with very little time to make simple things. Um, you just need to know how. Right. And two, just pulling out a bag of vegetables from your fridge and looking at it. And being able to pick like what's withered and what's rotting and, and picking the fresh one or even just managing those packets of vegetables in your fridge so that you're eating them on a timely basis so that everything is fresh. Amazing. Just that one little thing or, you know, like, you know, defrosting the, the meat properly, you know, if not getting it fresh, you know, it's just it, it's, it makes such a huge world of difference. Yeah. You know, the oil that you use. That's what we've really decided in our household. Same thing. We just don't, the more we understand food, the more we enjoy cooking, we're just yeah. we don't eat out anymore. Who has been the greatest inspiration or mentor in your life? Wow. <laughs> I know that's a heavy one. That's a heavy one. Oh my God. You can pick more than one if you want. What about your grandfather? He lived to 106. You had to he learn certainly something is from a- him huge inspiration from a health point of view you know every day after lunch he'd get up and he does this every single day he has a standing table so it's you know it's like a bar table and he stands there and he makes tea and all of his family gathers around him and he shares his tea with everyone but he stands there for like three hours after every single meal making tea and 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 feeding it to everyone and interacting with everyone Amazing. And, you know, that, that community, the family, you know, the tea, the standing after a meal, like everything 
is just incredible. Yeah. 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 I mean, I would find any, but any relative that was 106 for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What's the, where's the one of the most, one of your favorite places that you've traveled to? It sounds like you've done a lot of traveling. Wait, wait. I have a very inspiring person though. Okay, I, go for I, it. I, yeah. I didn't want it to sound cheesy, but honestly, like, you know, my wife. Oh, I love it. Tremendously, like oh. so much. You know, they say that you're attracted to your opposite, right? And there's so many things about her that, and I hope she, she listens to this. And it's not, you know, she, she doesn't normally, but you know, this is, this is not why I'm saying it, but you know, it's, it's, she is opposite to me in so many ways and is so committed to our family as a unit. Like she's always, she almost thinks of all the things that Simon's not good at or Simon's missing. And she works at Peak, by the way, she's the co-founder. And so she's constantly thinking about A, you know, the family unit and B, like, what are all the things that I'm And the way that she applies herself and goes crazy on those things, it's just like for me to see that energy and that passion and that commitment, it actually like, you know, it, you know, it's like a huge motivational force for me. And, you know, like I'm founder as well and kind of like CEO. And it's like, you know, for me to see that and her commitment actually motivates me. It's just incredible. I mean, yeah. I just, you know, it, it, it's like truly, truly inspirational. How, um, how many years have you been married? I know, that's a question. Right? You can like, tell me ballpark. Oh, just like three months. No, no, no. We, we, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, we got married last month. <laughs> That's hilarious. I didn't mean that like facetiously. <laughs> <laughs> Your story was beautiful. <laughs> yeah, well, hopefully I'll be saying this in, um, in 20, 30, 40 years, right? No, but okay, so we've, we've been together for five years. We've That's been together bad. for five years. We've been married for, so next year will be our fifth year, actually. You know, it's a good chunk of time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> do you have? Do you, yeah. Well, I, I've been married yeah. 20 plus, so no. Um, right, what, right. Do you, do you have kids? No, we don't have kids. Yeah. That's like yeah. the next question. Is that's, that yeah, right. wait till so you guys have kids? Yeah, let's chat. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure she's that great. That is so funny, lady. That's so <laughs> funny. Oh my god, that is hilarious. I'm sure she's amazing. You actually, the way what you made me <laughs> that way made me realize is how you know they always say like when you go to hire key employees, you should hire somebody who has a skill set you don't have because then you oh, make yeah. a, a really good team. Yeah. So I was thinking, yeah. oh, I'm a 20 year old and an 18 year old. I'm like, maybe uh, that's the marital advice I get that give them is find somebody who compliments you and has a, a skill set you don't have, which is what I heard you say. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I think that might happen anyway. Ways because you know we tend to be attracted to people that are that are the opposite. You know the whole opposites attract thing is actually yeah. true. But I you can't know. wait to chat with you in like 10, 15 years when those yeah, kids are like we'll four, four and six. We'll put it slept. on the calendar. We'll put it on that calendar. And he's like, hey, remember what you you can play it back to me. <laughs> Yeah, you might want to take this podcast and it could be like your go-to when, when you know, know it's tough. You could so be like, funny. what did I say back in 2020? That is so funny. <laughs> I really should do that. I really should do that. That's that a reminder. Awesome. Yeah. Okay, your favorite place you've been in the world? You know, I think it'd have to be Italy. I really have just so much appreciation for actually, you know, largely the way that they deal with their food. Mm. You know, I, I'm just yep. obsessed with the Italian honeys, with the Italian oils. I realized recently that they're, they just, they killed honey. Like they, no one does honey like the Italians do. Yep. Nobody, yeah. you yeah. know, and I've tried a lot, you know, their cheeses, their, their, I'm not so huge about their wines. I like French wines better, but their oils, 
you know, that, that freshness of, of all the ingredients. And, you know, it's just, I, I love Italy so much. And they have this, this passion for life. Yeah, I, I would absolutely agree with you. If somebody asked me that question, I would have said Italy. And one of the things I noticed about them the first time I went was how quickly my nails were growing when I, we were there for two weeks. And I was like, why are my nails growing? And then I realized it's the soils and the quality of the food. Everything I was eating had more minerals, more nutrients. And so my hair, my nails were growing much faster, Yeah, which is yeah. amazing. Do they drink tea? They do. They drink a lot of chamomile, actually. They're really okay. into chamomile tea. Yeah. You guys, you guys don't have a chamomile for at peak yet. We don't. I've been wanting to do a chamomile for years. Yeah. We will do one one day, and a lot of customers have asked for it. Yeah, I bet it would be a popular one. Yeah, yeah we really that, want to do a chamomile. You, you could should put it with the citrus and a little bit of green tea, and we'll we'll put it out as the menopausal line. That sounds great. That, that sounds delicious, actually. A really good combo yeah. because you'd have the I calm, write that down. and then progesterone would raise with the citrus, and then the green tea would give you focus. Yeah, yeah. So Look, there, you, there you are. You're a tea master, too. <laughs> okay, last question. If you had one message for the world, what would it be? And it could be anything. It could be related to tea. It could be related to One anything. message for the world. Yeah, definitely. I mean, this has a lot to do with our mission statement. So our mission statement is, you know, to help everyone unlock the, you know, the, the, the power of, of herbal plants and unleash our collective potential is really the second part that I think is very meaningful for me and my team and, you know, all of our customers. We try to impart this message. And it's that, you know, we operate based on the belief that unless we help those around us, you can't truly thrive yourself. Like you cannot Amen. rise yourself, yep. right? You know, if you want to have a very concrete example, it's like if somebody in your family is unwell, well, you're not going to be thrilled and, you know, dancing around. But what if you extend that to somebody in your group of friends or somebody in your neighborhood or somebody, you know, a parent in your, in your kid's school, you know, that community, that sense of compassion for others can be extended as much as you allow yourself to extend it, right? And as much as you practice it, is actually you don't wake up one day having compassion for the world. You actually need to practice it. And so, you know, we operate based on that belief. And every day, you know, we're driven by that understanding that, hey, we're fundamentally in a business that's doing good. You know, when we sell a box of tea, yes, we're making money and we're generating sales, but we actually did something good for somebody that's opening it and drinking it, right? Yep. And so that's very motivating for me. It's very motivating for our team. And I think that, you know, if more people behave like that and, and felt it, you know, then, you know, the world would be a truly beautiful place, you know. Love that. Oh, I'm so in alignment with that. I always say that it's not about what you get. It's about what you give. And totally. it's really, anybody can be kind. It, it's a, it, yeah. You just have to choose to be kind. You also, I believe so deeply that we need to get out of our, our isolation in our brain that we're here to do something for ourselves. And we need to really think beyond that in a community way. This is how I totally. came to, when I understood fasting, I was like, what if we fasted, everybody came together as a community. We come together and break bread together. Why don't we come yeah. together and fast together and we, we support each other Very in that cool. process. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Love it, Simon. Well, this was incredible. I uh, I can't ma- wait to meet your wife someday. 
<laughs> yeah, someday soon we'll come and visit you in the Bay Area. Oh, that would be awesome. And we've got we've got some work to do on our end. We're going to take your teas and we're going to look at at like how it works for minerals and menopausal women and we're going to look for blood sugar. So, I'm going to report back and give okay, you some definitely. updates on what Definitely. And you know, we're we're very excited to, you know, do more research in this area. So, if there if there are minerals, you know, outside of magnesium, let me know and, you know, the best thing is to get a list of them, then we can send it in for testing all at once. But, you know, we're very excited. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll also, I, I'm really dying to do a chamomile. So, you know, the citrus, the chamomile, the green tea, those things are all, you know, we do um, fast. In. Yeah, we do fast training weeks where we take a five day period every month with all of our people across all of our platforms. And next month we're doing minerals. So I'm in process of researching it. So I will definitely tell you the ones that we're yeah. seeing are the most necessary when you go into a fasted state. So mm-hmm. if you can take that and figure out what tea, ooh, that would be amazing. So nice. Awesome. Nice. Thank yeah. you, Simon. Appreciate Thank you, you so much, Mindy. You have no yeah. idea. This was very enjoyable. I'm so grateful to, to be here. It's been a privilege. And, you know, really thank you so much for having me as your guest and letting me, you know, share my passion with all the resetters. Yeah. Thank you for making our fasting experience a little easier. So uh, it's a win-win. So appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, resetters. So you already know probably what I'm going to say, but we've got some homework to do with you guys. So again, we have just one of the joys of what we get to do in the world is watch you guys apply these incredible principles like fasting. And we also see the hurdles you come into. And so I'm really excited to try Peak Tea out and we'd love your feedback, not only from a mental place, but if you guys wouldn't mind, because I can understand that he doesn't want to make really bold statements for fear the FDA will come and shut him down. So I could appreciate his cautiousness. But we could do a lot of anecdotal studies where we can look at, okay, well, what does it do to your blood sugar? So I would love for you guys to test some of the fasting teas out and give us feedback on how it's helping your fasting experience. Yeah. Isn't it unfortunate, though, that he can't say things like that for FDA, but how much crap gets said out there on... I know commercials and TV shows and stuff about oh, just irritating. Yeah, it's we. It, you guys will give you a little bit of a behind the scenes that you just have to be very careful what you say on public platforms because censorship is real and there there's a lot of a desire to regulate anything that's not pharmaceutical. So what I love about our podcast is we actually can be a little more free to speak speak our mind and be able to to get our message out and give you, give you guys the truth and help you think for yourselves. So he really like he he was very clear that he was yeah. not going to <laughs> dive into those oh studies. Oh my gosh, well could you imagine like yeah. his, whole, his whole dream, his whole passion, his whole life. No. What it, okay, so I'm definitely fired up to drink tea now. I was going to ask, so are you going to give up coffee in replacement of tea? Well, I, I would like to, but here's my hurdle is that it makes me nauseous. And so I would like, I don't need the immediate caffeine in the morning. So I am going to try some of the black tea with cream and see if that helps. But anytime I do tea that has caffeine in it on an empty stomach, I don't do well. Mm. What about you? I'm not a big tea drinker. I don't really enjoy the taste of it. 
I'm actually quite addicted to the taste of coffee. So <laughs> now I used to be. I'm not so much anymore. Maybe it's the age thing because that's what he said. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, because literally, I will have like on a Saturday morning, we go, we do our, um, I'll get up, have my cup of coffee, we do our academy workout with our academy members, and by you know by nine thirty, I'm done, and I'm like, oh, I should have a second cup of coffee, and every single time, I have a second cup of coffee, I regret it. I can't relax. For what reason? Oh, interesting. I just can't relax. I'm like, I can't sit down. I, I get kind of like, okay, what am I going to do next? Like, there's just no peace of mind. It's just, it's great if I want to get stuff done. Well, no kidding. Your HRV isn't getting any <laughs> right? higher. Oh my God, well, stop with the second my... cup. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's the only day of the week I go for a second cup. Oh. Every every other day I do one cup. I've even been bringing it down to a half a cup. I don't need it for Ennard to wake up. I feel like I should know this, but what do you drink all day long when we're here at the office? Water or mineral water. That's it. You're very good. (laughs) Because I, A, I won't either, either I won't sleep or I, it'll rev me up too much. So I'd love to do his green tea to be able to, for focus in the afternoon. That would be amazing. I just got to find a way to not do it where it makes me nauseous. I'm trying to think the last time you and I had tea together was at True Foods. We had the ginger, we had the oh. basil, holy, holy basil, that holy basil tea oh, with that the ginger. Me, yep. Amazing. Nothing. But you know what I have right here? There. What holy is basil, That's holy, the basil holy basil tea. tea. Because uh-huh. I'm trying to replicate that True Foods. That is actually a cup of tea that I have really quite enjoyed was the one that we had at True Foods. So I've been trying to replicate it. So I have tea oh, here. Oh, we should send that to him. We should send him that and ask him to see if he can reverse engineer it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What do you think of his, the way that he makes tea? I thought that was really fascinating. Super too. fascinating. Definitely yeah. takes tea to a whole nother level. Right. I feel like, and the other thing is, I feel like each one of these people that we're interviewing, that there is this passion for what they're doing and that it, it's, they're making foods at a different or making their products at, with such care and thoughtfulness, and then we all get to benefit from it. Yeah, you know, I was actually talking to a family member last weekend about some of the people that we have on like our favorites page, right? So whether it's the tea or the coffee or some of the meat places. And if you guys only knew the amount of emails that we get for us to sponsor or us to talk about or promote products, it's crazy. But I was going back to before this conversation, I was talking about the Kamano Islands guy. I love him I was so thinking, much. Yeah. He's so kind. He's so passionate about what he's doing. And I love partnering with people that are passionate about making this world a healthier place Absolutely. and having a product that actually, you know, benefit, like what he said at the end, having something that actually benefits people. Super important to us as a company when we go to put somebody on our website. Oh, but Yeah. Yeah, we want you guys to, and and I always tell our academy members that that if you go to our favorites page, we vetted those people. We will mm-hmm. not, we're not putting people up there that either don't have an amazing product or are not nice people. <laughs> we don't, we right. don't like to, to work with non nice people with mean people. You don't Absolute, come into our yeah. sphere. <laughs> Absolutely. So, yeah. What do you think? I loved his comment about his wife as somebody who's two years into a marriage. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought it was so funny how you asked that. And then his response, five years. Yeah. It was funny because as he was sitting there describing her, I was like, 
I wonder if Mindy's going to pop in and say like, oh, this sounds like my relationship with Jessica. And in fact, that's what I thought you were going to say at the end. It does sound like our relationship. <laughs> it does. We're complete opposites. I know. I know. Well, not complete. We have we have commonality, but we I thought it was very sweet. Other. We complement each other. Yes. The yeah. yin to the yang. That's right. That's why I said to him, I was like, oh my God, I never thought about that. You know, when I picked a husband, I never thought, oh, you could pick him like you would pick an amazing team <laughs> member, which is what you are. It's like, yeah, you know, <laughs> of course, you you want to pick somebody who compliments you. You don't want to be same, same. Exactly. But yeah, that's I how, thought that was very sweet. That's how I like sweet. to think of our relationship, <laughs> Jessica, we're just a compliment to each other. <laughs> uh, no, I thought it was very sweet what he said. Yeah, it was. But his grandfather is 106 and still, holy, still alive. Holy. Yeah, I feel like we need to interview that man and say, what principles oh. have you been doing in your life idea. to live to 106? Yeah, great idea. Okay, the other thing that I'm really getting across from a lot of the people that we're interviewing is their passion for cooking and how the art of cooking and the health of cooking. I was I was actually surprised to hear them, him say that. I, I mean, maybe because we had been talking about tea, but he cooks every meal. I should have asked him what he does when he goes on, like on a seminar, he goes on a trip. We'll follow up to the next podcast in five years when you guys reach out about (laughs) when he has a few kids. (laughs) Right. No, I think that's super admirable. I'm not very good at cooking. I like to think about how cool it is to plan every meal and cook it, but the actual act of doing it is not really my thing. Yeah. And what did you think about, were you surprised by the country that he's been enjoy? He's, he has found the most enjoyable? I was, but I knew we both agreed. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we're, 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 you know how they call like people who love France, they call them like Francophiles. We're like Italy files, like people That's, who love. I've never heard of them. Oh yeah. <laughs> like people have obsessions with France. Oh, and well then they actually yes. have a name for it. I feel like we need a name. Maybe there is a name. We need a name for our, our Italy. Uh, yeah, you're going to look it up. I'm going to Google it really quick. We need a name for our Italy obsession because it, every time I learn something more about cooking, about wine, about culture, about uh, lifestyle, I'm like, I'm going, I want to move to Italy. Talophilia. Italophilia. Italophilia. Okay. That's is an admiration, are. appreciation of Italy, its people, ideals, and culture. There you go. That's, That's who we are. <laughs> we could we could do like a resetter trip to Italy and call it the Italiophilia trip. That would be amazing. I love Let's that do that idea. soon. I know. If we can go. <laughs> yeah. The other thing that I really love, and this is for you guys to know, is that when you're when you have a passion project like what he has. That there is like, I love that he's got a flexibility about like, I'm making more lines. You can hear him really listening to me and like, oh, that's intriguing. Like to me, that's an amazing company. It's kind of like Bill Schindler when we interviewed him and he talked about how he ferments everything. And then we went to him and said, hey, can you teach our academy members how to do fermented pizza? And he's like, of course. Like when you're dealing with people who have passions like this, they think outside the box and they're Mm -hmm. open to receiving information. So I love that. I love that about him. Agreed. And it makes for just such a fun conversation and great people. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, okay, you guys, so there's your homework. If you are using peak tea for fasting, please let us know. Here's how you can, you can let us know. You can go to the Resetter podcast uh, on Instagram 
wherever we post about this episode, just give us feedback and let us know it, as you're using Peak Tea what the uh, your experience has been. Because between the blood sugar and fasting, I really want to know. And then if you're a menopausal woman, I'd love to know if there's a tea that really helps you with calming yourself or anybody who has anxiety for that matter. So this was great. Hope you guys enjoy. You put the whole foods in, you take all empty foods out, you put organic food in, and you shake bad toxins out. You eat ketobiotic and your microbiome shouts. That's what it's all about. You put fast cycling in, you take overeating out, you put the good fats in, trying seven fast types out. You download Carb Manager where your food is all graphed out. That's what it's all about. That's what resetting is all about.